Good morning. I want to invite you to join me in Exodus chapter 20. This morning as we continue in our series on the Ten Commandments, we're looking to the fourth commandment. Exodus 20, verses 8 through 11. I'll read those verses and then pray for us in our time together. This is the inerrant and infallible word of God. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. This is the word of the Lord. Would you bow with me? Father, you are holy, you are wise, you are a God of order, you are a God of grace, and I pray that as we spend time looking to your design for the Sabbath, looking to your word, and not our own tradition, not the ways of the world, I pray that, pray that you would speak to us. You would convict us, you would bless us, and through it all you would point us to Jesus. Do this we ask, in Christ's name, amen. Did you ever receive one of those those text messages? And when you get it, you're not real sure if the person that sent you the text message is happy, or if they're angry. You get it, and you try and interpret What is going on in these words? Why is that that we can get so confused, either in receiving or or even in sending a text message? Well, when we get a text message, we, uh, we don't have context. We've just got a few little words. And we also don't have connection with the person. We, we can't see their facial expression. We don't read their body language. And so when we're left with these few short words, what do we do when we're trying to figure out if the person is angry or or thrilled? We fill in the blanks on our own. We make up this story of what is going on in the other person's mind. And how often does that work out? How often do we concoct a version of what is behind this text only to find out it is, it is very different? It's not helpful, is it, when we fill in the blanks on our own? Fourth commandment, actually by word count, is the longest of the Ten Commandments. But still, we struggle with what is communicated in this commandment. Is it, is it duty or is it delight? Which is it? We read these words and separated from context, separated from connection with the lawgiver, 
we begin to fill in the blanks on our own. And how do we fill in the blanks with the fourth commandment? We make lists. One over here of what we can do, and one over here of what we can't do. How helpful is that? Oftentimes, it is the equivalent, the biblical equivalent, (laughs) of trying to make our own version of a text message. So rather than trying to fill in the blank on our own, rather than trying to build an understanding of the Sabbath based on our personal tradition or our whatever our church background is, let's look to the Word of God. Let's dig into the Word and try and understand this commandment both in the context of Scripture and in connection to the lawgiver. Does that sound like a good plan? Verse 8. It opens up, remember. Now, <clears throat> jumping into this commandment with that word remember, it can, it can sound a bit terse. There's a, an imperative to it, a command, remember. But what does remember mean? I think we have talked about this uh, recently. Remember can mean, do you remember? But it also can be a command, Remember. And in this, verse 8, it is the command, remember. Think in your mind, recall and install. Remember something and do it. Remember and put it in place. Verse 8 tells us what we are to remember. We are to remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. It's a day. It is meant to be holy. Now for many of us, that phraseology sends us on a journey. What does it mean for a day to be holy? Is it, is it for us to, to sit uptight wearing starch clothes, not, not smiling, not enjoying, but, but to be um, some version of... Uh, religiosity that is in our mind. Holy means distinct. Holy means different. Holy means set apart. To keep this day holy is to set it apart from the normal grind of the week. But it means more than that. It's more than merely to be set apart from the other days of the week. It is to be set apart for something, or rather for someone. It is to be set apart for the Lord. This is a day that is meant to be different because it is, in a distinct way, the Lord's. Now, let's be careful because when we think about that, there, we, we have hearts that are given over to compartmentalization. And we can hear that this day is to be set apart and different for the Lord. We can hear that and think, okay, the Sabbath will be the Lord's, the rest will be mine. And that's not what is going on here. This is not a, a license to compartmentalize our relationship with the Lord. The Lord has blessed the Sabbath. He has made it holy. 
which means that this day is His in a way that is distinct from the rest. Every day is the Lord's, but this one is to be different. Okay. The command starts out, remember. Keep holy. But still we wrestle with the specifics of what it means to keep holy. So the text goes on to explain, and I hope that what you will see is the text, as, that as the text explains what it means to keep this day holy, you'll, you'll hear uh, graciousness from the Lord. Because this day, this command is rooted in the heart of God and in the rhythm of creation. So rooted in the heart of God, in the rhythm of creation, the Lord tells us that we keep this day holy by resting. Look, I jokingly say that Africa is the only place where I have rhythm. Something about the djembe beating and worship just kind of works on me. But regardless of how much rhythm we might have up here leading music, every one of us have rhythms to our lives. We have a rhythm of, of sleeping and waking. We have a rhythm of eating and fasting. We have rhythms of work and rest. Our, our lives are built around rhythms because the calendar has rhythms to it. There's the rhythm of the year. There's the rhythm of the season. There's the rhythm of the month. There's the rhythm of the day. And yes, there is the rhythm of the week. Now all of these rhythms, they come from the Lord. They come from His creation. We, we understand the rhythm of the years. The is the earth revolving around the sun. The, the rhythm of the month is based somewhat on the lunar cycles. The day. The sun rising. The sun setting. But what about the week? Why do we as a society build a rhythm around a seven day week? Because it's founded on the Lord's rhythm of creation. Do you see in all of these rhythms the wisdom and the order of our God? They find their basis in the, in the pattern of God's creation. And we see it here in the framework of the week and we hear the command that we are to see this rhythm and to do the same. Okay. Maybe you hear that and you're thinking to yourself, great, I, I like the weekend as much as anybody. Good suggestion, but what's the big deal about the Sabbath? shared with you last week, I start out the beginning of each week with a series of questions as I think about this text. And one of the questions before me is, how is this commandment shaping my heart? How should it be shaping all of our hearts? Look back and there was a, a, an instance from seminary that actually brought so much of the shaping work of the Sabbath into clarity in my mind. 
One of my professors in seminary was a man named uh, John Currid. He was a Hebrew scholar and Old Testament professor, and he taught a class on um, a Bible class on Genesis to Joshua. And it was a class that just lit me aflame. I tended to call Anna after every class. You're not going to believe what we learned today. Dr. Currid unpacked the Ten Commandments for us in a way that was um, just such a challenging blessing. <laughs> As he taught on the Fourth Commandment, he, he talked to us seminarians and and he, he challenged us by saying, what if the call to keep the Sabbath holy meant that you in seminary are not to study on the Sabbath? Well, we'll begin to think about that. And you've got to understand this, that, that seminary was just such a great blessing for me, but... I have never been through quite the grind that I experienced in seminary. It is, it is an academic rigor that is unmatched in my lifetime. As I considered this call to cease from my study on the Sabbath, I pretty quickly realized that to do that meant that I was going to have to rethink the rest of the week. And that was the point. That was the point that Dr. Currid was, was bringing to us. You know, we've, we've said as we've looked at the, the Ten Commandments that there are a series of shall nots and shalls. The shall in the Fourth Commandment is six days you shall labor. What I was realizing there was that if I were to cease from my study on the Sabbath, it meant that I needed to reorder the way I thought about my study on the six days around the Sabbath, including my study on Saturdays. I had to actually labor for six days. It was one of the things that began to be reoriented in my life and when I did, when I saw the, the call in the Sabbath command to be diligent about prioritizing my study around the rest of the week, it also radically changed the way I looked to the Sabbath. There is a shall. You shall labor for six days, but there is a beautiful shall not. On the Sabbath, you shall not work. When when I spent the other six days of the week focused on accomplishing my work, I looked to the Sabbath as a day to be refreshed, to be renewed, to cease from the labor of the rest of the week and set this day apart for the Lord. Now, it, it opened up, it shouldn't have opened up, it's a beautiful framework that is here for us in Scripture, but as I began to personalize this, it gave me a framework that called me to trust in the Lord's provision for six days as sufficient. Do you hear that? When you're going to cease from your study, when you've got all these papers and all these books and all these tests, if you're going to cease from work, you've got, you've got to trust that the Lord's gift of six days is enough. Ceasing from our labor 
calls us to rely on the Lord, to rely on His provision, and say, Lord, you're enough. I'm going to be obedient with these six days. So I can be obedient in the seventh. That, that new framework, it, it calls us to trust the Lord's provision that the six days are sufficient and to glorify Him by using those six days wisely. So that in a more unique way, we might enjoy Him on the day of rest. What is it for you? What is it for you as you think about re, reorienting your week so that you are more diligent and wise with the six days so that you have the seventh day to rest in Him? Is it, is it yard mowing? <laughs> is it household chores? We all want to know where to draw the lines. We come into this command with this temptation to create a list. And we want to know where those lines should be. And I'm, and I'm, I'm trying to encourage you to resist the lists. And resist them for yourself and most definitely resist them in, in making them for other people. There is confusion around the Sabbath day. There's confusion around how we are to understand the Sabbath day in light of Jesus. Did Jesus fulfill the Sabbath? Or did Jesus enable the Sabbath? Men far wiser than me have differed on how Jesus interacts with the Sabbath and how we are to understand the Sabbath in light of Jesus. It may surprise some of you to hear that, that a man like John Calvin would, would disagree with the Westminster Confession of Faith as to how we apply the Sabbath. And I'm, I only mention that to say let's, let's be somewhat gracious with one another as we think about it, but let us consider in our own lives, in whatever the call might be, how we can be more diligent with the six so that we can rest with the seventh. And yet, though there is some confusion as we enter into the Sabbath in light of the New Testament, Jesus does give us guidance. <clears throat> we could do a whole series of sermons on the Sabbath, but if you read through the gospel accounts, you'll notice that Jesus was constantly doing war with the Pharisees over the Sabbath, largely because the Pharisees had built an observance mentality of the Sabbath based on their extra-biblical lists. And so Jesus began to interact with their lists, but notice that he never once broke the Sabbath. Some of us can see those, those battles that Jesus would have with the Pharisees and tend to over-apply, saying to ourselves, oh, the Sabbath must not matter at all, and that would be wrong. Jesus spoke against the religious additions, but he, he obeyed. He highlighted 
the Sabbath. And, and for time purpose, I'll simply summarize some of the guidance that we get from Jesus. Jesus, in those, in those battles with the Pharisees, affirmed works of worship. Some of you wonder about this work that we do on Sunday mornings as we set up for worship. Jesus affirmed that, that the priests would enter into the temple and And that was not only not breaking the Sabbath, it was honoring the Sabbath. Is on the Sabbath we do works of worship. On the Sabbath we do works of necessity. Long before we heard about essential workers in 2020, Jesus defined essential work. As he interacted with the Pharisees who complained about the disciples picking the grains of wheat on the Sabbath. Jesus affirmed works of necessity, and he also affirmed works of mercy. As we love and care for our brethren on the Sabbath day. And yet, as we hear the works that Jesus affirmed on the Sabbath, then for some of us, it gives us a whole new way to think about the lists. So resist them. And see that the fourth commandment is command and it is grace. And it flows out of the heart and wisdom of God. It is a gift. A gift that is meant to shape our hearts for rest. But that shaping extends beyond rest. It is more than merely a nap. As we were praying for the worship service today... Michael prayed that we would see that this day is more than a day of rest for the body, it's a day of rest for the soul. We're called not only to rest, we're called to worship. Did you know that there are two places in Scripture where we find the Ten Commandments? We find them here in Exodus 20, but we also find them in Deuteronomy chapter 5. Deuteronomy chapter 5 Uh, Moses has gathered the Israelites and he's about to, well, he's not about to. Joshua is about to lead them into the promised land and, and Moses is putting before them again all that has taken place. And he is putting the the law back before them to remind them that this is God's covenant with them. And they are to be God's covenant people. And so as he works his way through the Ten Commandments in Deuteronomy 5 on the commandments, they are almost all verbatim with what we find in Exodus 20, except for the command for the Sabbath. And there are two notable differences that we see in Deuteronomy 5, verses 12 through 15, versus what we find in Exodus 20. The first is this. In Deuteronomy 5, we see in the Word of God that there is an additional basis given for the Sabbath command. In Exodus 20, the basis for the Sabbath is God's rhythm of creation. But in Deuteronomy 5, uh, chapter 15, we, we hear this basis given. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. Do you hear that what is going on in the Word of God in Deuteronomy 5.15 is that there is a second basis, a second foundational element to the Sabbath. It is a day of rest patterned after creation, but it is also a day of worship, remembering our redemption. 
redemption from slavery in Egypt and redemption from the slavery that we have to sin through Jesus Christ. Redemption is the basis for the Sabbath, so therefore we shall worship on the Sabbath. This is not new in Deuteronomy 5. It gives clarity to what we see in Leviticus 23.3 where there we see that the Sabbath is a day for holy convocation. A holy gathering of the people of God for the purpose of worship. There is a second notable difference in Deuteronomy 5 from what we find in Exodus 20. In Exodus 20 we saw that it opened... Exodus 20 verse 8 opened with the word remember. In Deuteronomy 5 verse 12 we open with another word. The ESV translates that word as observe. The NASB translates the same word as keep. The Hebrew word shamar speaks to keeping, guarding, protecting. The Lord is telling us in His word in Deuteronomy 5, keep. Guard, protect the Sabbath day. It's a day for public and private worship. So how are we doing? Are we protecting? Or are we profaning? And how do you hear that question? Friends, uh, Michael and I were talking before the worship service about just the challenges that we have faced this week and this day in our own families as we've considered and I promise you I do not stand before you as a man who has all of this figured out and I do not stand before you as a man who puts forward my own righteousness as a model we're looking to the word of God and I am looking to the word of God And I see here that this shaping that the Lord is doing through rest is also a shaping as He prioritizes in our lives worship as a gift. Just as I don't stand before you as one who has it figured out and asking you to follow my lead, I I also don't intend to reinstate the pharisaical restrictions. This commandment provides a heart check that exposes our need for a Savior, but it also is an invitation to delight in Him through worship. So let me speak into one particular area in our culture that may hit some of us, it may not hit all of us, but it is an illustration that applies to all of us. As we consider this call to prioritize and protect, this day is a day that is to be set apart for public and private worship. How do we interact with the culture of youth sports in our own community? It's the holy grail uh, that I enter into aware of how it interacts in my own family. Where does worship fit into the priority of the sports culture? And again, resist pointing to those others who struggle with this because every one of us in this room has our own version of the youth sports culture. But where does worship fit into the priority? 
Is it the priority when we're out of season? Is it the priority when we can squeeze it in? Look, our kids are perceptive. Our kids hear what we say, but they also see what we do. And I fear. I fear that we are raising up a generation with no heart for corporate worship. Because the generation before us understands the priorities that we have put forward to them. Friends, the fourth commandment challenges us and encourages us to guard and protect the Sabbath day as a day of rest and a day of worship. Again, I'm not trying to make lists. And if I did, I would be a hypocrite standing before you. But how are we to think about the Sabbath? We're to think about the Sabbath biblically. And so does this day, does this day look any different than the rest? We're commanded to remember it. We're commanded to keep it. We're commanded to protect it. And so are we? And again, how do you hear this question? Are you viewing the Sabbath as as restriction or as gift, duty or delight? It really gets back to the way we open this sermon and, and how we read those text messages. We can't read them without context or connection. And so we need to see and understand the Sabbath command through context of Jesus and through connection with Jesus. And when we do, not only do we remember, but we anticipate. Listen, in all this discussion about the Sabbath, has the question come to your mind, why do we observe the Sabbath on Sunday? We started out by looking to this pattern of creation. Six days of work, one day of rest. The seventh day is Saturday. The Jewish Sabbath is Saturday. But we heard in Deuteronomy 5, the creation is not the only foundation for the Sabbath. It is creation and redemption. And the early church, from the book of Acts on, looked to Easter, to the resurrection is the foundation for the new Sabbath. Because on Easter Sunday, the first Easter Sunday, Jesus Christ rose from the grave, defeating death as the first fruit of the resurrection. And He became the symbol of redemption. So that on every Sunday, we celebrate the new Sabbath. Every Sunday, we celebrate Resurrection Day, the Christian Sabbath. It's Resurrection Day. And in that, we see this call to look back, but also to look forward, because Jesus is the first fruit of the resurrection. Jesus is the one whom we look towards with anticipation and desire and delight. Do you see the beauty of the Sabbath? Do you see the beauty of the resurrection Sabbath? Where we see, looking forward, that Jesus is making all things new. And yet until then, until that day, when all things will have been made new, 
Until that day, we look forward with anticipation to the day of rest and worship. It reminds us that this day is meant to be a delight that shapes our hearts and our weeks. Do you see that with the Sabbath on the first day of the week, we enter into the week coming out of rest instead of resting after the week? It is a day that sets the tone for all the rest. Because Jesus rose from the grave. John Frame, one theologian whom I, whom I read this week, put it this way, it is important to keep in mind that by its very nature the Sabbath is a feast, not a fast. It is a time of abundance, not deprivation. This abundance, this day of abundance, it's not yet meant to fully satisfy. Do you know the purpose of an appetizer? An appetizer is not merely meant to hold you over until the real meal gets there. The actual point of an appetizer is to awaken the taste buds for what is to come. The appetizer is, is meant to build your appetite, not to satisfy it. The Sabbath is a day of abundance, but it will not satisfy. It is meant to build our appetite, to explode our taste buds, so that we look forward with great anticipation. We ask the question, has Jesus fulfilled the Sabbath or has he secured it? Again, multiple sermons could be preached on this, but I would tell you that Hebrews 3 and 4 speak to this, and we have to understand the Old Testament Sabbath through the lens of Hebrews 3 and 4. And Hebrews 3 and 4 tell us very clearly that there is a Sabbath rest that awaits. Which tells us that Jesus has secured the Sabbath. That Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath. But He has not replaced it. He is drawing us toward it. Our weekly Sabbath prefigures an eternal Sabbath where with Jesus in glory we will live out the words of Psalm 1611. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Friends, as we contemplate the Sabbath, we need to see it as a framework for all of life. A blessed rhythm of rest and worship in Jesus. A day that is important, a day that sets the tone for all the rest. Do you remember the text? The text messages that we're trying to interpret apart from context and connection? You've heard... This morning, a passage from Matthew 11. Matthew 11 gives us the body language of Jesus as we consider the Sabbath. We're in Matthew 11, 28 through 30, just prior to another one of those battles that Jesus would have with the Pharisees. He says this. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, 
and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Friends, the body language of the fourth commandment is invitation. It is invitation from our Savior. And as I recently heard, I admonish you, sit with these words. Sit with these words until they become the truest thing about you. Until you have a heart of rest in Christ and worship of Him. Father, would you redeem our small understandings of the Sabbath? Would you draw us out from a mindset of squeezing in a quick hour of worship so that we can get about the rest of our day? Would you redeem this day for us in our minds and our hearts so that we can truly enjoy rest in Jesus? We can truly enjoy a focus on you through worship. Redeem this day that we might remember and that we might anticipate an eternity with you. Do this we ask in Christ's name. Amen.